God. Praise God. And that happened here, right now. The power of God is that, is that, that way in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to lay hands on somebody right now in this specific prayer. I pray that, pray that God will put something in their life so they can retain this. This is a real atmosphere, folks. Praise God right now. Mm. That's it. Just pray. Pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Let that void now be filled with something. Let that chain that fell off, let there be something that will replace that in the name of Jesus right now. Your grace, your word, obedience, Lord. Let that come into the picture right now. That will absolutely change the picture from now on in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Praise the name of the Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Mm. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, that's it, Lord God. That it breaks the cycle in the name of Jesus. I come against that cycle right now in the name of Jesus. I command that that cycle be broken in the name of Jesus. That, Lord God, things are going to be different from here on out in Jesus' name. Oh, Rabakahasa. Yes, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Why don't you lift up your hands and give God praise? Praise God. And you can be seated. Praise God. This is a very, very powerful spiritual, spiritual move of God this morning in Jesus' name. And no doubt, God is able. Somebody say amen. amen. He is. I mean, and there's no doubt about that. That's one of the first things that we have to have faith in, is that when we call upon his name, when we ask requests that we know that he wants to grant, praise God, he does it. He does it without a shadow of a doubt. And so that's, that's what you can, you can expect here this morning. Addictions, things like that, they were broken, praise God. Um, and so I, 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 I applaud the Lord, it's God. It's through his power, through his grace that happens in Jesus' name. And so I pray that those of you that have sensed that in your life, that God will give you some instruction, maybe even here today, I don't know. But um, that's, that's what he will do. Tonight, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but tonight we won't be having uh, collective services. We'll be having our men's meeting. Um, just so you know, we've been going through this book by Rufus Parker called Developing the Man in the Mirror. And it's been very powerful, very abrasive, very right in your face, that type of thing. And so we're about, I don't know, maybe a third of the way through this book, and we're going to continue on that tonight. Um, and I, I trust the Lord will help us. 
Um, I've been trying to get ahead of things, you know, for all of my life, and for the last couple of years, I'm starting to be able to do that. And so having said that, I already have our next book, and it's by uh, Brother Parker, and it's called Building Blocks to Manhood, and I think it'll go right along with what we're talking about here. And so we want you ladies to understand that the men in this church are taking discipleship very seriously. Amen. We love these kind of services, folks. We do. And we're going to have them. God's going to continue to bless us and flow through this place. But the thing that gives us retaining power is that we take life serious. We don't just come here on Sundays and then, you know, come back and that type of thing. Because what, what's happening in our culture, and I'm not being critical, I'm just pointing something out, is people become recycled. That's what happens. If they come into powerful services like this and things do happen. And sometimes we wonder, well, God, you know, what are, you know don't you worry about what they're going to do with it? And God says, no. I just give it to them, you know, and it's not like God isn't concerned about what you do with it, but, but that's not the issue. The issue is he's God, and he does it because he's an across-the-board God. He delivers anybody and everybody. He does that, but in order for that to take root, and that's really what has to happen, folks. What's gone on in this place here this morning, again, needs to take root in our lives, and so that's why discipleship, the word, consistency, all of these things play into that, praise God. And that's why apostolic churches are, are, are having greater success than any other religious movement in the world in retaining people. It's because they teach things that way. And I understand that it gets difficult. Listen to me, folks. Christianity is the hardest thing I've ever gotten involved in. It really is. And I don't say that, you know, as a, from a defeatist standpoint. I say that from a commitment standpoint. God is constantly, you know, dealing with me about committing to him. And not that he, you know, he's nagging or anything like that, but everything in life presents itself to that, praise God. But that's why, we're, that's why we do it, is because we understand the root system has to go down deeper and deeper and deeper because the winds of turmoil are already here, you know, culturally and all that kind of business. And so I, I won't go into a whole lot of that right now, but it's, it's the truth. And so if you're interested in getting your root system to, to come down, you know, this is a church. This is one of those churches that we take that very, very seriously. And so you can see me and we can get you started in, in a study and that type of thing. Also, here in the next two or three weeks, we're going to highlight the fact that Pentecost Sunday is coming. And a lot of our religious world today doesn't even pay any attention to this. And again, I'm not being critical, I'm just being observant. But not in the apostolic church. We still believe God is filling people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on. How many here have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Yeah, look at that. Come on, just keep those hands up. Look around you right now. Look at the evidence that God gives just to a local church like this. Look at that. Now, you don't need to be ashamed of that. I understand we've got to be careful that we're not shoving this down people's throats. But the bottom line is, folks, I'm not ashamed to tell people that, man, I got, I got filled with the Holy Ghost years ago, spoken other tongues, have done it thousands upon thousands of times since. I'm not that I worship tongues, but I thank God for the evidence that I know that he's inside. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, that is a strong witness in today's world. And that's, by the way, if you haven't, don't know this, but that's what, one of the reasons God didn't rapture you off of the earth right away when you received the Holy Ghost. Because the same spirit that's in you right now is the same spirit that's going to quicken you. When he calls out, when that shout goes forth, that trumpet, whenever that's going to be, the quickening spirit inside of us, and it's his spirit that's going to quicken us in a twinkling of an eye. Can you say amen? 
Come on, we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's going to be a glorious time. It is. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so it was great. You know, I didn't hear one message that told me my troubles are going to be over down here. I didn't hear one of those messages. And it was not negative at district conference. It was powerful. Man, we heard messages that says you can keep going. You can seize the day. You can begin to walk with God and, and expect good things to happen. But hey, the troubles are still going to come. Amen. And, but God gives us overcoming power, praise God, and that's what he does. I'm hoping that I can, I can help you with that a little bit today in the name of Jesus because I, we all, we need help in that in Jesus' name. I heard a man teach one time that there were various ways in which God will communicate to us. And, I, and I've grown to learn and understand that in, in the various ways, that type of thing. And uh, he talked about things like reading the word or listening to the word. Uh, people ask me all the time, how does God speak to you? You know, what is one of the ways that God speaks to you? Well, it's one of the reasons I'm relentless about going through this Bible many times every year is because that's one of the, one of the big ways that God speaks to me, his word. His word will speak. I was praying through the 119th Psalm this morning. Anybody ever done that? That's 178 verses. You don't get that one done in, in, you know, in, in two minutes. But I was, I was praying through that, and God was speaking to me because that, that particular psalm really highlights you know, the things of God, the statures, the commandments, you know, the precepts. You know, and, the, and the writer is saying, I've learned to love these things, and these are things that speak to my heart, and I, and I found that to be true too, praise God. Another way that God speaks to us, um, I heard a message, oh, years ago, a man came to our district and talked about the death of a preacher. And he'd use that adage of the fact that God will speak to us, you know, through the man of God. That's what he does. And it was powerful. It really emphasized some things in my life that needed to be emphasized. And so um, I, I'm put in that position on a regular basis. That's why I pray about what I'm going to get up here and say. I don't just get some canned message somewhere and, and that somebody else preached somewhere else. I, I really pray about that. And I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me. I'm just saying that's the way I've done that because I believe that God is speaking to every one of you right now through me. And that's a powerful um, responsibility. I understand that. And then, of course, the Spirit of the Lord, praise God, will speak to our hearts. Maybe sometime during the night, he'll wake us up or whatever the case is. And the Spirit of the Lord will speak very specifically. Amen. In fact, the Bible prophesies that in these last days, that's exactly what's going to happen. The Spirit of the Lord will be there not only to warn us, but to direct us. Praise God, into different areas of our life in Jesus' name. But I left out one on purpose, and that is our conscience. You know, a lot of people today, um, you know, the, the scripture talks about having their consciences seared. And there are some people that's probably happened too. I mean, they've been wounded to the effect or been done wrong to the effect where their conscience is really, really damaged. Now, one of the things that I expect or, um, from the Lord is that God can heal these things. He can. Praise God. And sometimes he can help us to have a better perspective. I think it's 31 times in the, in the New Testament. There's, the word conscious is not found in, its, in, in that word form in the Old Testament. But it's found 31 times in the New Testament in various places. And the word actually, if you study the Greek on the most part, it talks about co-perspective. That's what the conscience is. Is that God has designed you so he can get right in there with you and become the co. 
It's like Jesus saying, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and labor, and I will give you rest. Take my upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. The yoke, you know, uh, in, our, in our conscience area is designed for God to come in. And so this is what God can do, praise God. This is before the baptism of the Holy Ghost, by the way. People's consciences are talking to them. Now, because you're a human being, you know, um, you can shut that down. You can begin to, you know, emphasize or turn the volume up on all kinds of other areas of your life. But that's why I've recognized something, and I'm going to tell you a story here this morning in the Scripture that will help support this, that sometimes we all get to a place where we just need to back away, and we need to get someplace where we can renew that, where we know that God is speaking to us, praise God, and we know that He's, he's trying to direct our steps. And I believe that's, that's, that needs to happen in here. I sense right now that there's many of you that have been wounded in your conscience. You've been wounded. And it's not because you're a horrible person. It's because you live in a world that sometimes takes some pretty cheap shots at you. They just do. And sometimes you do too. So I'm just telling you that's what happens. And sometimes our conscience can be, can be wounded. But I'm going to pray a prayer here right now in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to believe that God is going to pour something into your conscience right now, some kind of a spiritual antibiotic that's going to help you to be restored in that area of your life. I have confidence in what God is going to do in the next 30 seconds. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch every person here. There are several right now that are really, really hurting in that area. And Lord God, they don't really know if God is speaking to them anymore. They're getting that confused with other things in this world. And Lord God, I believe, I don't know how you do it, but I know you're going to do it right now. You're going to straighten that out. You're going to touch them. Oh, mastita habahakobaha. Oh, rabakohomande. Yes. Yes. Those that are online with us, Lord, I pray the same thing. I pray that it will just go out there and touch them. Strengthen them, Lord God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. That you are touching them even now, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God, for this. Ah, my confidence is in you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on, let's take another 15 seconds and let God just give you that spiritual antibiotic right now. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we need the co-perspective. We need God's perspective to come along. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You are so good to us. Lovell that talked about in one of his sessions, he talked about that thing in the back of your brain there. 
I'm going to probably really mess this up, so I'm going to keep it simple. But he talked about a little valve back here, I think is kind of how he described it. Is that what it is? What was it called? The amig whatever he said. And, and he said what it has the ability to do, he said, if you get way too emotional about things, he said it has the ability to shut that off and the logic part of your brain doesn't function right. Now listen to me very carefully here. I'm not against emotion. I think it's a good thing to exercise from time to time. But in my opinion, in my observation, in my years of ministry, we way, way, way too much put too much emotional emphasis on this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't put any. But that's where the conscience comes in. A lot of times when God speaks to us through the conscience, it isn't going to be a huge emotional thing. It's going to be just advice. It's going to be just things that God wants you to know. It's like having a conversation with somebody. And then all of a sudden, after about two sentences, they want to jump up and down and dance and do this and do that. And you're going, I just want to talk to you. Wait, I just want to talk to you. Now, don't read too much into what I'm doing right now, please. But I'm saying that's what we do to God. Because we like the euphoria. We like the energy that comes from that. And I'm not saying it isn't good, but it needs to be done just like a lot of things in the kingdom of God in balance. And I'm talking about when you get home after service today. I'm talking about when you get up tomorrow morning and you've got to face the music again. That's what I'm talking about. This is what really, why one of the biggest reasons it needs to be restored. Because God wants to begin to have conversations with you on a daily basis. He doesn't want to wait until you come to church until you know, you got 50 or 100 people around you. And I'm not saying that isn't good. Please keep doing that. This helps. But hell, every one of us are going to go off into our own little areas. That's what it is. When I first come into the church, that was a strong suggestion I had. I just said, why don't we all just quit our jobs, come up here and we'll have church seven days a week. We'll just, you know, bring in some meals and we'll just have a great time. You know, and, you know, obviously that is way, way, way out of proportion. And so this is what God wants to do. Now let me, let me give you an example of this in Scripture, praise God, that will help you to understand that you're not the first person that needs help like this. We all need help like this. We need God to come alongside and really, really give us some confidence in some of those areas, praise God. And so hopefully this will happen. Sister Carnahan, 1 Kings chapter 19 is where I'm going to take the vast majority of my teaching here this morning. And hopefully uh, some of you are familiar with this story. Um, Elijah was a tremendous man of God. There's no question about it. He faced uh, a three-and-a-half-year period that was just absolutely pressure-filled. He was the guy that came onto the scene. And because God really wanted to get every person's attention in Israel, God told him to prophesy that there would be no rain until he said it would be. And so that's what Elijah came onto the scene to do. And, you know, you realize the first month, maybe even six months, people were just looking up at the sky and saying, well, it's just one of those cycle years, kind of like this year, you know. This is the year we got all that snow. You know, and that type of thing. And, I, and people, people like you and me are able to just dismiss the things of God. You know, I've learned that God is trying to get my attention every day. And if I don't really begin to realize that and allow him to do it in the way that he wants to do it, then I can miss it. And I'm, I'm, I admit to you that I've missed God many, many times. I'm getting better at that. That's what I'm working on. That's one of my ongoing goals.
is I don't want God to have to bring some disaster into my life so that I can realize that I need to serve Him. I don't want God to, you know, to, to bring, you know, to allow something to come into my life that will be devastating. I don't. And you've got to understand that God loves people enough to where He would allow that to happen. He would allow that to happen. And so this is what, what sometimes we have to realize. But after three and a half years of that pressure, you know, he came back onto the scene. Now, I'm talking about Elijah. And he had to turn the spigot back on. But before he could do that, before the Lord would allow that to happen, he had to restore some things spiritually in that, in that country. And that's what you find in the 18th chapter. You will find him rebuilding the altar. You will find him, you know, bringing back the sacrifice. And boy, this is so, so important to us today. And now, I understand we don't offer animal sacrifices and things of that nature, but the scripture is very specific. He said, when Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto who? Which is what? Your reasonable service. And sometimes it affects our conscience when we get out on left field and we say, well, I can do anything I want. Well, you're right, but it's going to affect your relationship with God. And you'd better get that one in, into you very, very soon. That's not some threat from God, but that's just the way it works. That's why the apostolic movement is having such success in retaining people. Because they're not just teaching people to come in here and worship and get baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. They're teaching people how to live. I talked to Ryan Shoppy this past week down uh, down to district conference, and in their church, they've got four or five different classes going on, parenting classes. They've got, you know, um, uh, drug alcohol class. I mean, they are teaching that community that they don't have to live that way. I'm telling you something, they are making a, a tremendous impact in their community up there. And I believe we can do the same thing here. But listen to me, folks, it's not going to be just because we come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays and whatever other nights we do this and just, you know, whoop it up for God. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. We do that here, and I am all for it. I'm 100% for that, praise God. But we got to help people to learn how to live for God. Can you say amen? Come on, do I have anybody in here that's interested in that? Come on, lift up your hands right now and ask the Lord to take away that blockage right now. Some kind of an attitude that says, I don't want to do this. I don't know why that is. I don't know why people don't want to live the way God wants them to live. Come on, I'm not here to be the critic. I'm not here to be your judge. I'm just here to say that God wants to restore that. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I sense that right now. Very, very heavily in this place right now. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, folks. When I got down to business with God, it didn't take me 10 years to get rid of cigarettes in my life. It just took a matter of minutes, praise God. God delivered me. And I'm not here to put that in your face. If you've got a problem with nicotine, you're in the right place. God wants to help you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to do all of that kind of business. But the point I'm making, when you get right with God, when you walk with Him, when you allow your conscience to have, let Him have conversations with you every day, I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're not only going to get, get encouraged, but you're going to be delivered in the name of Jesus. You're going to find things in your life that you're not going to find at AA. You're going to find things in your life right now that you're not going to find in some program out there because it's God that does it. Come on, can somebody lift up their hand right now and give God praise? Oh, my goodness. Come on, I feel the surge of the Lord in this place. 
He doesn't want you just to serve him emotionally. He wants you to serve him with a fact. Come on, the Bible is a fact. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. This is my birthday present to you. Hallelujah. But now we come to the 19th chapter. And boy, Elijah's having a hard time. He's going, man, alive. And you want to know why, what, what the straw that broke the camel's back? is because he, through the authority of God, took care of 850 false prophets. He slew them. I know that's gory, but that's exactly what he had to do. He had to get rid of the false stuff out of that, out of that country in order for it to be restored. And there was an evil queen. Her name was Jezebel. And I'm going to tell you something. She didn't like it. And she got the news, man, that things were happening up on Mount Carmel. And she didn't like what was going on. And she sent a message, a personal message, back to Elijah. And said, listen, just like you did to those prophets, I'm going to do the same thing to you. And boy, that messed him all up. That really messed him up. And I, I want to put this in perspective. You've got to understand, he's, he was under the gun for three and a half years. And so I understand that as a man of God. That you're going to be under the gun sometimes, and sometimes it's going to be relentless. Sometimes it's going to be months. Sometimes it's going to be even years, praise God, that you've got to deal with some of this stuff. And that's why we need the help of the Lord and, and just as much as Elijah did. Now let's pick up the story here. Now look at this in verse number 4. This was the results. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now this is Elijah, and he's trying to get away. He's trying to go to the Black Hills on vacation. He's trying to go to Orlando, Florida. He's trying to get away and let's have some good time. Let's go to Hawaii. Yeah. But he don't have the money, so what he does is he just takes a day's journey into the wilderness. And the Bible says, and he came and sat down under a Jupiter tree. I'm in verse 4. And he requested for himself that he might die. I'm talking about this guy's in bad shape. And so the scripture says, that, that uh, he's saying, it's enough, God. I've had it. Retiring. I'm gone. <laughs> the Bible says in verse number 5, and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, the angel. Thank God for angels. And I do. And they're here today, by the way. Praise God. And the scripture says that touched him and said, got you something to eat. Thank God for McDonald's. We could just keep on driving, couldn't we? And by the way, I drove really great, didn't I? I mean, I was the best driver in the world, wasn't I? I'm going to leave that one right where it is. Praise God. And so the Bible says this angel comes and says, listen, I got you a meal here. And so the Bible says in verse 6, it says, And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise on the water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and, and laid him down again. Man, got a meal. Praise God. And the scripture says, And the angel of the Lord came again, second time, and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because we're taking a journey. We're going on a little trip here. And so it's going to be great, and you need to you know, get yourself nourished. Now, you can read a lot into that one. Personally, church-wise, all kinds of things. God has literally set us on a journey here. 
Amen. And one of the big journeys that we have is to go ye therefore into this world right here, this part here, and preach and teach the gospel to every creature. That's what God wants us to do. Everybody in this area needs to hear what you and I hear. Praise God. And so in order for that to happen, you know, we got to be strength, strengthened. In verse 8 it says, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat. Look at this. How would you like to go to Elberson's and be able to get a cart full of food or a little bit of food and say, I don't have to buy anything else for another 40 days? Well, that's the answer to inflation, isn't it? It really is. Boy, that's quite a meal. That's sustaining power. Now, again, I'm not going to get too tricky here, but the bottom line is God can put something in us that can sustain us. That's why it's important that we go to him. Do you not think that he can speak to your conscience on a daily basis and give you encouragement, give you words, praise God, that can help you and sustain you, praise God? Amen. One of the sustaining powers in my life, because when I came to the Lord 46 years ago, I had a whole bunch of bad habits, folks. And God just kept, kept talking to me, saying, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. He never condemned me. He never said I was slime. He didn't say that I wasn't worthy and that type of thing. That was me. That was the world. God just came in and said, listen, I can help you with this. I can take this away. Come on, I'm talking about on a daily basis. I wasn't in the church. I didn't have the Holy Ghost for 36 hours. And God began to talk to me that way. Now, come on, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about something that God wants to take away. I'm talking about something that maybe has situations have come into our lives and caused that to be a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit wounded. And God is able to restore that here today. But don't expect him to give you all kinds of fun facts. He's not going to start saying, well, yeah, you need to go to Disneyland at least four times a year. That's how you're going to get rid of the pressure in your life. And I'm not against Disneyland. But I'm just saying, that's what we do. We take our arms of the flesh, and we develop things that we can do that will take the pressure away. And I'm going to tell you something, sometimes it will. Temporarily, it will take the pressure away. But it doesn't have the ability to come in and help you to sustain when problems come in. When you really need to be that strong witness at your work. When your family really does need to see the power of God in an individual's life. This is what I'm talking about. A place where you and I can be a witness for God. I'm not talking about bragging. I'm talking about letting God do stuff in our life. And people begin to observe and say, man, that's what I'm I need. They might not tell you that for six months, but they're looking at you saying, man, I'd like to treat my husband the way she treats hers. Oh, I'd like to be able to raise kids, praise God, the way she's raising kids. I'm talking about a witness that God can do. Come on, you interested in that? That's going to take daily instruction. Come on, lift up your hand right now and say, God, I need that in my life. I don't need a once a week deal. I need the once a week, but I need a whole lot more than that. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, this is what God is able to do. In fact, the scripture says he's able to do exceeding, exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. Praise God. Praise God. And so get this, you know, Elijah's not a bad person. It's not like this guy is, you know, he's lazy and he doesn't do anything for God. Come on, he's been in the trenches and God understands that. And so God understood that this guy was going was to have a little bit of a spiritual meltdown. 
And so God provided things for him that you and I can look into that we can glean from today that God can begin to restore your life in a way to where you can start having those daily conversations with God and you can start getting the instructions that he has. Praise God. And, and the word, my goodness. I remember the first night that I got the Holy Ghost. It was on a Sunday night and I went home. I lived in Cascade, 30 miles away from the church. And I got home and, and man, I was still, <laughs> oh man, I'm like, I can't go to sleep. And you know, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I just trying to figure this all out. But man, one of the things I did was I opened up my Bible and it was like, whoa, whoa, man, this is talking to me. And I'd been through the word, you know, several times before that, and I'm not, that's just the way it was. But man, after I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was like somebody had turned a light on that scripture. And things that I had read before all of a sudden are making sense in Jesus' name. Can somebody give me a witness to that? That's what the Holy Ghost does. Praise God. That's why the apostolic movement is not trying to ruin people's days by saying, you need the Holy Ghost. You know, we're trying to help you to understand if you really want to make some sense out of this Bible, you need God's help. And so here he is, you know, he's there. And the Bible says in verse number nine, and he came thither unto a cave. And the scripture says, and he lodged there and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? What's going on? What are you, what, what's, what, what, what's, what's happening? And so the scripture says in verse 10, he said, I have been very jealous. Whoa, now we're getting down to what the problem is. Praise God. I have been jealous for the children or the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Okay, now we got the crux of the matter. And believe me, you you get into the ministry, sometimes you're going to feel that way. Doesn't anybody want to live for God? Doesn't anybody know about tithing? Doesn't anybody know what, you know what God is speaking to them? I mean, you find yourself as a man of God sometimes like that because people are people. You've got to give them you know, a little bit of an opportunity to get consistent. I thank God after years, we've got a core group of people in this church that, are, that in my opinion, have some, most of the fundamentals down. But believe me, that's, a, that's a, a building process all the time. People come in, they don't get it, you know. And so as a man of God, you can't sit up here and just take a big two-by-four and start hitting people alongside the head, although that's what you'd like to do. I'm just being transparent with you. But you can't do that. You've got to help people understand that God still loves them. You know, your life is not right with him. That's why you got problems, because of the way you're thinking. You don't have the co-perspective plugged in yet. And that's why I'm teaching so diligently this morning, because this is what I'm believing God wants to do. He wants to come in, you know, and begin to talk to you. Praise God. And that's what he will do. He won't just sit here and go, well, I think I better wait 10 or 15 years before they can get it. No, God has a way of bringing things to the table that will help you get it immediately. Praise God. And that's what he wants to do for you. Amen. And so here he is. He's saying, this is my problem, God. Nobody seems to want to live for you. You know, it seems like I'm the only one here. And so the Bible says, that instead of answering it right at that moment, he said, we got to do something. And look at verse number 11. He said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Get out of this cave, get out of this 
where you're at right now, and let's go someplace where we can really see and hear and understand what God wants to do. Can somebody say amen? amen. That's why, quite frankly, there's about five of you in here right now. That's why God sent you here. You are hearing a very specific word from God that is absolutely hitting the nerve in your life. I know that. That's why I'm being very careful. Scripture says, he says, and behold, the Lord passed by. Now notice this in verse 11. It says, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. Boy, I can't miss that one. That's why I'm saying, you know, even the most backslidden person in the world can walk in here while we're doing this stuff that we were doing here about a half hour, 45 minutes ago, and they're going to see it. Whoa! Man, alive, you people take this serious, don't you? All this energy, you know? Well, they can see it. And I'm saying that is a witness within itself. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying throw that one out. I'm just saying that happens. So you know God is moving in here. You understand that the Spirit of the Lord is, is dealing with different peoples and, and that type of thing. And so here he is, you know, the great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But watch this. It says, but the Lord was not. Yeah, he wasn't there. That was something that was just happening. Praise God. And so that's why we have to be careful. That we don't say, whoa, man, this is the way God operates. He comes in and scares the bejeebies out of everybody. No, that's not sometimes. It's not what happens. And so the Bible says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the scripture says in verse number 12, and after the earthquake, a fire. That was another thing that most people can see. You can observe that. It says, but the Lord was not in the fire. But look at this in verse number 12. And after the fire... A still, small voice. There's the conscience. That's why we want God to turn up the volume in our conscience. We want God to blare it. What was it that Brother Graham, Graham, Graham said um, uh, Thursday night? And then I'm going, whoa, it's plenty loud right here. But he's, he's, he called back to the sound guy. He said, you know, because he couldn't hear himself very well because, you know, the mains were on and that type of thing. And he says, I want you to split my hair. <laughs> That's what he said. That's how loud he wanted it. And I'm going, man, even with these things, I don't need it. <laughs> but that's okay. But that's how we are sometimes. Turn it up. Come on, let's get this thing blaring. And I'm not saying sometimes that isn't warranted. There's lots of things that God will bring into our life that will shake us. They're designed to shake us. They're designed to get our attention and that type of thing. So I'm not saying none of this stuff is warranted. But you've got to understand the hurt in Elijah needed something other than that. He needed something in his life that returned him back to that relationship that he had with God to begin with in, in chapter 17 where he could hear the voice of God, where he, could, he knew that was God speaking to me. Praise God. And that's where all of you are at right now. Some of you, you know, you, you don't know if that's God speaking to you or not. Well, let's find out. Come on, let's not just operate on a whim. Let's not just get to a place where we just kind of go off the seat of our pants. Let's understand, praise God, what God is doing. 
And that's why, in my opinion, today's service is so important. God wants to restore your conscience back. And he's going to do that. That's what he's going to bring into your life to make, make sure that'll happen. Because he wants to start having conversations with you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be there immediately when you get tempted. He wants to be there immediately, praise God, when somebody brings an ant or brings a question to you that maybe is stumping you right now. I'm talking about Almighty God that can begin to speak to us. But the, the deal is, he's not going to do it with fire. He's not going to do it with some kind of an earthquake ministry. He's not going to do that, like, you know, with all of this, this you know, what we do sometimes. And that's why it's important for us to allow him to do this. And so the Bible says after the earthquake in verse 12, uh, it says a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it, was, and it says in verse 13, and it was so when, when Elijah heard it, all of a sudden hope started coming back into the picture. See, prior to that, he thought he was the only one living for God. He thought he was the only one in the land that, 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 that cared for the things of the Lord. And watch how the still small voice straightens him out. Watch this. The scripture says, and it was so when Elijah heard it, it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out, and the mantle in the Old Testament, what that was is that was a picture of the anointing of God. When the mantle came on a person, they had God's anointing. Do you want to get God's anointing in your life? Now, I'm not talking about as a pastor or as one of the fivefold ministry. I'm talking about as a saint of God. Do you want to get the mantle of God in your life again with the anointing? Come on, this is what I'm talking about today. This is what God wants to restore to you, that God can begin to speak to you. He'll speak to you in other ways now. Now that he's got your, your attention this way, now that you know that God is speaking to you, yeah, you can come to a preaching session like this and the word can get right down there where it needs to be. You can open up that Bible and all of a sudden you see exactly what God wants you to do. I'm telling you, it works hand in hand. The real thing is, is that Elijah needed to get to a place and look at what he had to do. He had to go on a 40-day journey. This guy had to get away from it all. And that's why I really believe that in a, in a saint's life, we need, to, we need to start scheduling things like that. Things where we can get away from the things of this world and maybe spend an hour or two. I've been on a, a deal with this church here to try to get people to learn how to pray for an hour. And I understand the old way, I, you know how I learned? Oh, thank you, Jesus. God bless. Bless God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because that's how you guys taught me to pray when I first came in here. I had to say all that pretty stuff. But God has helped me to understand there's different ways to pray. And what I've learned is a lot of times, not every time, but sometimes you've got to get into the place where God can begin to use you in those dimensions. And that's why it takes time. And that is something that every person and a lot of those folks online right now are struggling with. Man, some of you on the way to church today, you were debating, going, Jesus, I really got to get that yard work done. I really got to get that car fixed up. I, I, man, alive, I got to do this, I got to do that. Some of you were having those kind of conversations on the way to church this morning. 
I'm not looking at anybody. I'll go preach into the wall here. In Jesus' name. I know you were. I know you were. Okay. Because sometimes I have them too. And sometimes you've got to put yourself in a place where you say, hey, listen, I've got to get to that place where God can begin to speak to my heart again. And that's why in this church we're going to give for that. You can come here every Tuesday night, and for a whole hour you can pray. You can practice. You can do that. Praise God. You can come here once a month on a Saturday night, and, and, and that's what we do. But a lot of people, they, they're struggling with it. Well, how do I know that? <laughs> I got two eyes. You see a very, very small percentage of the church that comes out to things like that. And that's why it's not important to them. And that's why their conscience is they can't hear God in, you know, in that specific way a lot of times every day. They have to get to a place where there's a service and people are just absolutely about going crazy before they can hear the things of God. And that's what we have to be careful of. Now, again, I'm not against that stuff. I'm not against emotional outbursts and people dance in the aisles. I like to do a little bit of myself, praise God. But the bottom line is, folks, I understand that tomorrow I'm going home. I'm going to be with the God alone a good portion of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. And so I need to hear from him. And so do you, praise God. And this is what God wants to do. Look at what God did for Elijah just after he got to a place where he could begin to hear the still small voice. Look at this. The Bible says in verse number um, 13, it says, And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Now I'm going to ask you the same question again. And the Bible says, and he said, I have been very jealous. Now, same result here. You know, same thing, same answer that Elijah. In verse 14, 14, the Bible says, and he said, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You see the same thing, okay? Now it's going to get straightened out. The scripture says, and the Lord said to him, look at this, in verse number 15, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazaliel, it says to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshah, shall thou anoint and be king over, over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of that name, shall thou anoint to be prophet in the land. Do you see what the Lord is doing here? He's giving instructions. He's not wallowing in it. Boy, this can't happen. God, everybody hates you. And, you know, we're not going to have revival. Nobody wants the Holy Ghost and all that kind of business. And all of a sudden, God begins to restore that to him. And the Bible says in verse 17, And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slew, and him that escaped the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slew. I've got three people in place right now, the Lord is telling him, that's going to get this thing done. And then the Bible says, look at verse 18 as a, as a kicker. You didn't think anybody wanted to serve you. You didn't think anybody wanted to even do this. And the Bible says in verse 18, yet I have left me seven, 7,000. He said, there's people out there that I have had my hand on that want to serve me. And in the apostolic movement, we can get this Elijah phobia. We can get thinking, man, nobody wants it. We get a few rejections. You get through halfway through a Bible study and they don't want to complete it. 
And pretty soon we go home, we're licking our wounds, and we're saying, God, nobody wants this. And we need to have God's still small voice speak to us and begin to direct us right back out where it is. You see, what God did was he gave him, he gave him instructions. And he said, yet I, he says, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so this is what Elijah needed, praise God. He needed to hear those instructions again, that God has this thing in hand. And there are several of us in this place that that's what's happening right now. We're getting beat up. We're, we're getting the effects. We're getting what he preached about, you know, those two nights. It's here. And we're going, God, just take, get rid of all of this stuff. You know, let's just go to New Jerusalem now and let's just forget this world and all that kind of business. And God is saying, I got some work for you left to do in Jesus' name. But I do believe what it does is it begins with the conscience. It begins with us being able to carry on conversations with God. Praise God. And I believe that God wants to begin that process today. Would you stand? I'm just going to open up this altar right now. And if you, this word has done something to you that has, has, has put something in, in you that, that you know that you want to see happen, I want you to come and we're going, to, we're going to begin to call upon the Lord. And we're going to begin to ask him to begin to do these things. This is for everybody, folks. This is for everybody. This is not just for a select few. God is wanting to bring people closer into the kingdom of God. Powerful, powerful. Praise God. Praise God. That's it. Just begin to lift up your hands right now. Begin to call upon the Lord right now. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, just got something from the Lord. Praise God. What we need to do first is we need to ask God to help us to forgive them. I've just detected what the blockage is. We need to ask God to help us to forgive them them. Would you do that? Let's just lift up your hands right now. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, you know exactly what that is right now. There's several of you. In the name of Jesus.